People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Welcome back to Premier League Insights as we prepare for Game Week 6 of the Premier League. Once again, I'm joined by Jake Osgathorpe from InfoGoal. How's it going, Jake? Very well, thanks, Ben. Looking forward to another Game Week of Premier League football. I know we've got Champions League in the meantime, but let's analyse some interesting Premier League games and, and take a look at this week's fixtures. Firstly, we've got Southampton versus Bournemouth, and this one I think we, we called it pretty much spot on last week. We said Southampton had been a bit unlucky, they deserved a win, and with a little bit of good fortune, they got it. They lost the XG battle against Sheffield United. Sheffield United also had a goal ruled out that looked a little bit close by VAR, um, but Southampton obviously came away with a 1-0 win, and Bournemouth, as we said... They're the league's entertainers. It always looks like you're going to get goals with Eddie Howe's side, and that's what we got with their 3-1 win against Everton. That was a pretty even match, but it just seemed like Bournemouth were a little bit more clinical in front of goal. Um, these seem to be two sides that are difficult to work out this season, but what does InfoGoal make of the fixture? Yeah, you're dead right, Ben. Two teams really difficult to work out. Um, both of them can be really good one week, really poor the next. Uh, there's a real lack of consistency in the pair of them. As you mentioned, Sheff- uh, Southampton were very fortunate to beat Sheffield United uh, last week based on expected goals. They rode the look. Um, they conceded quite a few big chances, which <clears throat> were either squandered or saved. Uh, defensively, they are looking vulnerable this season, allowing 1.5 expected goals against per game. But as we've said in the last few weeks, they have really, um, really impressed going forward, creating good chances um, on a regular basis. Like we said with Bournemouth last week, goals, chances, it's usually just what we expect from the Cherries. They're very strong in attack, very weak in defence, expecting something very similar again uh, in this game. They too were fortunate to get the three points last week against Everton, being uh, losing the XG battle in a 3-1 win. But it was a very entertaining game, expecting something very similar here. And Bournemouth are conceding an average of over two expected goals against per game. And if that doesn't come down, then the results will start uh, taking a turn for the Cherries. Infocol looks at this one uh, and, like I've said, it sees a very entertaining game. We're going a 65% chance of both teams to score and a 65% chance of over two and a half, with both representing good value. Uh, also, there's a small amount of value in chance in Bournemouth to avoid defeat in this one. Uh, like we've said, two teams that create and concede chances at a, a fairly similar rate. So a, an entertaining game with uh, not a lot between them. Yeah, so Pinnacle's got around about 26% on the draw and same 26 for Bournemouth. And as you said, if they can get a goal or two, then they may well get a result from this one. Then we've got Leicester versus Tottenham, and this one looks like it could be a really good game. Obviously, Leicester had a bit of a tough start to the season. They'd done well with two draws and two wins from their first few games. I think many were probably expecting them to perform a little bit better than they did against Manchester United. And there seems to be this early pattern emerging of they, they're beating the sides you kind of would expect them to, and then maybe trying to keep it close against the sides that will be nearer to the top of the table at the end of the season. And in their opponents, Tottenham obviously got one one of those teams that will be close to the top. 
we said they weren't looking great up until last week's game and 4-0 looks good on paper but I think the deeper you get into that it wasn't as one-sided as the scoreline suggests against Crystal Palace so is there any offer on value here do you think? Yeah, there's plenty of value in this game, according to the InfoGoal model. Um, I'll start with Leicester. Like you said, they were slightly underwhelming away at Manchester United last week, um, especially in attack. Defensively, they continue to look really solid. Uh, if you take the penalty out of Manchester United's expected goal count, uh, Leicester conceded just 0.39 expected goals against, which is a, a really good feat going to Old Trafford and holding United like that. They have been hot and cold in attack. Obviously, they, they created good chances against Chelsea, good chances against Bournemouth. But in the games in between, they have struggled going forward. Uh, and it, it does look like Brendan Rodgers is still trying to find his best formation, his best team for uh, this very talented Leicester, Leicester side. As you mentioned, Tottenham have been very underwhelming so far this season. And I feel like the 4-0 win over Crystal Palace really papers over the cracks. Looking at the XG count, 1.25 to 0.72 in Tottenham's favour. It really wasn't a 4-0 game. Spurs were extremely clinical and that isn't going to happen every week. Another performance like that in this game would more than likely see a, a narrow win or a draw, but they really need to step their game up. Uh, they're very gettable in defence, although they did hold Crystal Palace well. They'd race into a 3-0 lead and were happy just to sit in, counter-attack. In the second half when they were 4-0 up, it was just a foregone conclusion, really. But prior to that, they had looked vulnerable on a consistent basis, allowing... 1.59 expected goals against and still not creating that much for all the attacking talent that they've got at the disposal. They've only created more than two XG once and that was in the uh, season opener against Aston Villa. Since then, the best performance was against Arsenal, which was 1.9 expected goals for and that included a penalty also. So going forward, they're, they're, they are really struggling um, and the, I think the market has probably slightly overreacted to the 4-0 win. I think had Spurs maybe won that 1-0, as the XG totals would suggest, I think we'd be seeing a, a much more even contest betting-wise. As it stands, though, Tottenham are, are made favourites, about 40% chance of winning with the market. Infogol actually thinks it should be the other way around. Uh, we make Leicester favourites to win the game at 40%, so definitely the, the value play in this one is to, is to back Leicester to get the win. So now we've got Burnley versus Norwich and these are two teams that a lot of people would have had down as relegation contenders but we've seen in some instances that, that both of them can play. Uh, Burnley just about scraped a draw against Brighton at the weekend but they've had a couple of good performances and obviously Norwich, I mean they went and caused one of the, the biggest shocks in recent Premier League history. I'm not, I don't want to dig into the numbers too much but I think it was the Newcastle win at City springs to mind from last season. 17.0 or 16 to 1 I think it was so Norwich's win was around about that as well now obviously they've had one great performance the question is then can they then take it into another game away a difficult place to go, go against Burnley so how does this one look for info goal um, I've got to say I was really impressed by Norwich last week um, we'll get on to them in a minute but I'm just going to talk about Burnley because uh, the, the signs recently have been quite worrying and we spoke at the start of the season uh, obviously they, they beat Southampton comfortably 3-0 that was flattered them on XG they went to Arsenal putting a great display and were unfortunate to lose and a uh, deserved draw against Wolves but since the since then they've played Liverpool really struggled in attack and last week against Brighton I was really really uh, really really surprised at the the, the poor display in which Burnley put on they, they conceded good chances to a team that would 
many would be expecting to finish below them in the table in Brighton and they struggled to create they managed just 0.44 expected goals for in that game Jeff Hendricks late strike was a, a low probability effort that earned them the point and they should have really lost that game that's two games in a row now where they struggled to to break teams down um, as for Norwich you've touched on it already the, the game against Manchester City was a you know it was a sensational victory one that not many people saw coming, including the bookmakers uh, and Infogol. So fair play to Norwich. 3-2 win. Looking at the base XG, 1.55 Norwich, 2.73 Manchester City would suggest that Norwich were unfortunate, uh, were very fortunate to get the win sorry, in that game. But a closer look at the shot map shows that Norwich were, they actually created the better chances. They created two chances that had a, a 50% chance or greater of being scored, whereas Manchester City managed just well, just the one big chance in the game, uh, Sergio Aguero, 35%, and the rest of their chances were low probability. So on the face of it, the XG total looks one-sided in Man City's favour, but a closer look at the actual quality of the chances suggests that Norwich were uh, did create the better quality chances. It's a case of quality over quantity, in which case Manchester City had around 28, 29 shots in the game. They shouldn't be underestimated going forward now, Norwich, because they've shown that they are capable of passing teams off the park like they did against Newcastle in their 3-1 win and also counter-attacking like they did against Manchester City so well with the pace of Buendia, Campwell, Pukki causing some serious problems. Uh, the Infocom model does think that there's a slight, small amount of value in, in chancing Norwich to get something and continue uh, on, on that high that they had last week. Uh, around a 50, 53% chance of avoiding defeat. Uh, but surprisingly, both teams to score and over two and a half goals looks slightly overpriced. Infocol goes 53% chance of both teams to score, 51% chance of the overs. I think the market's around 60% on both. So uh, be careful if you're back in an entertaining high-scoring game in this one. Yeah, a couple of points of interest there. The the total goals mark is quite high compared to the league average at three. And as you said, Norwich coming off the back of a, a really big win to see them as low as 25% and the draw at 25% is is quite surprising, so another one to watch, I guess. Now we've got Everton versus Sheffield United, and for me, Everton are probably one of the most disappointing teams in the Premier League so far. Despite the fact that they've got a few wins, I think a lot of people were expecting more from them, especially after they went and spent a hundred plus million in the transfer window or whatever it was, and they're playing a team that are probably at the other end of the spectrum in Sheffield United because they've been one of the surprise packages. They they lost at Southampton, as we said, a bit unfortunately. They've played well and they've played consistency, consistently. And the early signs suggest they could be perhaps looking more towards mid-table than relegation, which is what a lot of people would have thought. So can Everton use that home field advantage that they've got and, and finally put in a performance that their fans have been waiting for? They definitely need to. I'm with you, Ben. I think they've been one of the most underwhelming teams so far this season. They came in with a lot of hype around them being potential top six contenders, and they've really disappointed. Uh, last week against Bournemouth, they were unfortunate to lose the game. It, a draw would have been a fairer result, but again, they just continue to concede good chances uh, as well as creating them, meaning that the games can swing either way. Going forward... Obviously, Moise Keane was left out last week. Calvert-Lewin came in and scored. Whether that will continue in this game, it, it sounded as though Marco Silva had been training with Calvert-Lewin specifically for the Bournemouth game because Moise Keane was on international duty. 
Uh, I wonder if that'll stay the same here because I think Moise Keane offers much more uh, going forward for Everton. His, his movement's better. He's, he's much more clinical with his chances. So I'm expecting him to come back into the starting lineup. But other than that, they, they just lacked fight in that in that game against Bournemouth, which is really worrying. I think that Fabian Delph is probably the only player that, that looks as though he wants wants it, if that makes sense, uh, for, at Everton. And they're coming up against, against a Sheffield United side that every single one of the players, all 11, fight from minute one to minute 90. And that's why they've made such an impact so far in, in, in this Premier League season. You mentioned already that they were very unfortunate to lose to Southampton last week. They racked up over two expected goals, uh, missing some big chances, which isn't going to happen every week. And that the signs are extremely positive, as you've said. A caveat and a word of warning for Sheffield United, though, is that they have conceded good chances regularly so far this season. Uh, they're averaging up, up and around 1.3, 1.35 expected goals against per game. So they're not exactly being very, very solid defensively. Um, so they do need to be cautious of this Everton team. And although they have been underwhelming, we both both agree that Everton have been really poor so far this season. The Infocore model does think there's a small amount of value in backing them to get the win here. Uh, while Everton need to be wary of Sheffield United, they are fancied to get the win in what we're expecting to be another tight game, uh, both on XG and scoreline. So maybe a 1-0 or a 2-1 in Everton's favour. We're around 62% chance of an Everton win. Yeah, and just for reference there, we've got Everton at around 57%, Sheffield United just on 17%. And as you said, if Sheffield United are conceding those chances, maybe this can be the game that, that Everton take advantage of that and and finally get a decent win on the board. So we'll move on to Manchester City versus Watford, and we've already kind of spoken about Norwich and and their victory over Man City and looking at the numbers a little bit more and seeing that although City dominated by XG figures, there was a lot of low-value attempts in there. So the worrying thing for them is that they're still giving chances away against teams like Norwich, who who you'd expect them to beat comfortably, Watford, I think last week we kind of talked about the the, the myth of the, the new manager bounce and we also spoke about how poor Arsenal had been and and both of those things really showed in this game. Watford were by far the better team and they deserved all, all three points, let alone salvaging just the one that they managed. So I think it's foolish to kind of buy into this crisis that some people are talking about, but Watford do have the potential to cause City problems. City have shown that they are open to conceding chances. Do you think Watford can get anything out of this? Not really, no. I can't see Lightning striking twice uh, in the space of two weeks for, for Manchester City. They were stunned by Norwich. They looked vulnerable defensively. Something tells me that Pep Guardiola will be working hard this week. I know they've got Champions League game coming up, but he'll be working hard on fixing the defensive issues. It's clear that Otamendi and John Stones just won't don't play very well together so it wouldn't surprise me if Fernandinho perhaps comes in there Walker maybe shifts into centre half and Cancelo comes in at right back he will change something for this game and and the Champions League game in midweek just purely based on the fact that they are conceding so many chances um, and it will be frustrating Guardiola at the moment going forward obviously we know that they are exceptional their expected goals for per game is up and around 2.5 2.6 so They've got no issues creating chances. They just have to plug the leak defensively. And I, and I think that ahead of this game, I think Guardiola, that's his main focus. That will be his main focus. He's looking at how to solve 
the defensive issues, obviously, without Laporte. Watford, as you mentioned, were extremely impressive um, against Arsenal. Obviously, they were 2-0 down at half-time, threw caution to the wind in the second half uh, and rightly got a point and should have had all three. It was a very one-sided XG total, 3.06 to 0.85. So, deserved three points. Arsenal were fortunate. Aubameyang just continues to be extremely clinical in front of goal. Um, and Watford were a little bit wasteful, uh, but still, it was a very promising performance for uh, Kike Sanchez-Flores in his, his first game back as Watford manager. Whether they'll be able to replicate that against Man City, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, obviously, Arsenal really renowned now for for having a really poor defence. Uh, I believe Manchester City this game will revert back to what we've seen uh, over the last couple of seasons, which has just been really solid defence, conceding very few chances and a few goals. Um, and I'm expecting Watford to really struggle to break uh, Manchester City down. Uh, in for goals going, both teams to score, score no at 56% chance, which is a small amount of value. Uh, the market's around 55%. I just feel like Watford will, will, will find this one, this game, a lot more difficult. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see City get back to their um, their fantastic best of winning 5-4, 3-0. Yeah, and again, it's that, that pattern emerging for City games in the market. A high goal, goals total at 3.5 and 4 a low chance of winning for their their opponents. Watford just three point six percent chance. So, as you said, lightning lightning striking twice is very unlikely. I think. Now we've got Newcastle versus Brighton, and this one it looked like there was a another potential upset on the cards in that Liverpool Newcastle game, and clearly Liverpool kind of powered through and against the Newcastle side they've they've looked better going forward than they did last season, um, and they still without. <laughs> take the Liverpool game out of the equation they do look like they can do a good job of shutting their opponents out and we said in the initial podcast preview that Brighton might have been lucky to stay up last season I think they've been a bit unfortunate this season I mean they've been fairly consistent in terms of their underlying process they should have beaten Burnley I think the draw against West Ham jumps out as another game where they played well and perhaps didn't get the result that they deserved They've lost to Man City in Southampton, but again, the underlying numbers looked good in there from their perspective. Do you think we're going to see that consistency pay off against Newcastle? The Inficore model doesn't think so, no. Um, like you said, Newcastle were, for a brief moment anyway, dreaming of an Anfield win, but Liverpool just turned on the style and, and blew them away. Deservedly so as well. 2.9 expected goals to 0.35. So it was a deserved win for Liverpool. Um, and like you said, it was Newcastle's first really poor defensive display in what was arguably been their toughest game to date, uh, travelling to Anfield. Prior to that game, though, uh, Steve Bruce's side had conceded an average of just 1.1 expected goals against per game in the first five Premier League games. And that included home games against Arsenal, uh, a trip to Tottenham. Sorry, in the first four games. So they're, they're really... They look really solid defensively. Um, and um, obviously, you can't really look at the games against Arsenal, Tottenham and Liverpool as indicators to how they'll play in this match. They were disappointed against Norwich, uh, who will be a, a similar level opponent to Brighton. Brighton probably slightly better. but um, And against Watford, they were much, much more impressive in that home game against Watford, a 1-1 draw uh, in which they created good chances um, against the XG count. So this is really the... Only the third game that Newcastle will play so far this season against teams that are expected to be in and around them. Um, so going into this game, we're expecting Newcastle win. After this game, depending on what happens, we'll have a much clearer picture of what this Newcastle team actually is, 
what it looks like under Steve Bruce and how we expect them to move forward. As for Brighton, you've touched on it already. Graham Potter looks like he's, 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 turned, he's turned things around really quickly, actually, at Brighton. Um, obviously, you mentioned the underlying process has really drastically improved, um, both in attack and defence, from Chris Hewton. But the results haven't quite gone with it, which will be frustrating Potter, no doubt, purely based on the fact that they've deserved so many more points than what they've managed to pick up. You call out the West Ham game, they were... They should have won that game. They were comfortably better on XG, generating nearly three times as much XG as West Ham. And the game against Burnley uh, last weekend, where they created four times as much XG nearly uh, as Burnley and, and didn't manage to win the game. So they've, they've been unlucky so far. The, the signs are positive. Uh, they just have to be a little bit wary um, with Brighton also, because it is, it is a small sample size. Um, as they continue in this in this way, then Brighton's, uh, in for goals rating for Brighton will increase really quickly because they are performing like a, a mid-table team. Uh, but for now, we're, we're sided with Newcastle in this game to get the win, giving them a, a 41% chance of, of getting the three points compared to around 37 39% on the market. And now we've got Crystal Palace versus Wolves and these are two teams that are coming off the back of a 4-0 and 5-2 losses and those games have obviously been and gone for the fans or anyone that was interested from a betting perspective. But as we look forward, it's obviously important to to look beyond those scorelines and the actual performances. And as far as Wolves are concerned, I mean, we can talk about their game against Chelsea, but I think wider than that, I don't think many would have had them second from bottom after five games. Obviously, Crystal Palace have had a couple of wins. That's helped bump them up. They didn't look too great to start off with. I know there's a long way to go, but Wolves, they'll want to start to get their season going soon, won't they? Especially now we're heading towards the group stages of the Europa League. So is this the game for them? Can they get that win against Palace? Uh, they will definitely be hoping so, yes. Um, in terms of 1x2 for this game, Infogol's split down the middle. So we're 37% chance of a Palace win, 37% of a chance of a Wolves win, and a 26% chance of a draw. So we really can't split these teams um, in the 1x2 market. You mentioned Crystal Palace. We, uh, we spoke about it in, in the Leicester Tottenham preview, but Crystal Palace were really unfortunate to be beaten, to lose 4-0. It was definitely, it wasn't a 4-0 game. Tottenham scored from low probability chances early on um, and Palace just didn't have a chance to recover. So uh, that game needs to be taken with a pinch of salt, or the result anyway. Before that, Palace were really impressive at home, in a home win against Aston Villa. 1.7 expected goals for... So they are capable of creating chances. We know that. They've got really strong attacking players. Zahar, Townsend, um, Joe Nye started the season well. So they, they, they will pose a threat in attack. Um, and that 4-0 game shouldn't be um, overreacted. Uh, well, we shouldn't overreact to the scoreline anyway. Um, and the same for Wolves, really. They, they lost 5-2 to Chelsea. But according to expected goals, it was a much tighter contest um, based on the chances created by both, um, although I would say that Chelsea did create most of their XG before Wolves had their first seriously big chance. So Wolves have been disappointing. We expected much bigger things from them, but as you mentioned, they've been balancing Premier League and Europa League, and that will continue this week. Obviously, they play in the Europa League on Thursday, uh, playing on Sunday, so uh, it's just how they how well they start to deal with it. Obviously, we saw Burnley struggles last season, at the start of the season, in terms of dealing with an early start to the campaign, playing so many qualifiers. Burnley obviously didn't make it to the group stage, but Wolves now have to balance the group stage games with the Premier League games. Uh, they have the squad to deal with it, but 
it's just whether Nuno trusts the squad enough to rotate. Uh, that game against Chelsea and the game against Everton shows just how strong Wolves can be going forward. Uh, obviously, they scored twice in both, uh, but defensively, they, they do look vulnerable. Um, there are gaps there that Palace can exploit. So, Infogol's looking at the both teams to score market in this game, and uh, we're around a 56% chance of both teams scoring. Um, compare that to the book, bookmakers, around 49%. So, there's, there's definitely good value in backing both teams to score um, at Sellers Park. Our next game is West Ham versus Manchester United and Manchester United they had a few dodgy results sandwiched in between some good wins at, at home to Chelsea and Leicester. As we've said before, if you look beyond those score lines where they, they lost against Palace, they drew against Southampton, they've actually done pretty well and I think expected points wise they're pretty close, if not above Liverpool, who are obviously they've got a hundred percent record. Their opponents West Ham, they recovered well after a five nil loss to Manchester City. They're unbeaten in the last four, two wins and two draws. But those draws obviously came against Brighton and Aston Villa. And as we've said, they perhaps came by the way of some good fortune. So how does the InfoGoal model view this one? Yeah, you spoke about the West Ham Villa game and it was a it was a really poor contest, I thought, on, on the Monday night football. I think both sides just sort of cancelled each other out a little bit. And I was really disappointed with West Ham's lack of uh, potency in attack. Obviously, Noble and Rice played really well, but going forward, they didn't really create anything. And they actually lost the XG battle uh, with Villa missing two big chances from Wesley and, uh, and Jack Grealish. So they were slightly fortunate to come away with a three point uh, with a point, sorry, against uh, against Villa on Monday. Prior to that, though, I've been really impressed with with West Ham's performances at, at Watford and then at home to Norwich, creating good chances, but also conceding them. Um, with the latter of that, the conceding the chances being the big worry coming into this game. Uh, they've allowed 2.1 expected goals against per game so far this season, which is, yeah, it's one of the worst in the league, if not the worst. So that is something that Pellegrini really needs to work on. Um, and they come up against the United side, who have actually had the struggles in attack so far this season. What well, was five games in, if I'm wrong, I think they've had four penalties in five games, which is quite extraordinary, really. Um, it's obviously more likely to happen if you've got quick, nippy players like Rashford, Marshall, Dan James uh, in attack, likely to get to the ball before a defender, which is exactly what happened at the weekend against Leicester. Um, and it, it's hard to predict if that's going to keep up because obviously you get a penalty, that's an 80% chance of scoring from the penalty spot. If you get a penalty every game and you defend the way they have been defending, they're going to win more games than, uh, than the than lose. Defensively, they've been really sound so far this season they've actually been the best defence in the league according to expected goals uh, allowing just 0.78 um, expected goals against per game so although West Ham are creating a lot of chances they might find it difficult to break down what is a, a, an organised and resolute United defence so far this season so it, it, this is going to be an intriguing game I'm really looking forward to this game actually I'm, I'm glad it's on TV uh, I think this is going to be a, a, an open game I think there'll be chances at both ends I do think that Manchester United, depending on what happened with the price, could represent a good deal of value. Um, currently, Infogol's around a 47% chance of a Manchester United win. Personally, I think that odds against on United to win this game looks a good bet. Uh, the Infogol model itself is looking at, um, at the goals market. And despite what I've said around, around the defensively sound Manchester United, we're actually going for an over 3.5 goals, which has around a 40% chance uh, of coming in which is a small amount of value compared to the markets. And that's purely based on the fact that West Ham 
so far this season and the back end of last season were creating good chances regularly and also conceding them. Um, so it wouldn't be a surprise to see another high-scoring Hammers game. Yeah, certainly some decent matches to pick out this season, but I'm in, on board with you. I think this could be the most entertaining one of the lot. And now we've got Arsenal versus Aston Villa, and I know a, a pattern is probably developing here, and it seems like every week we're bashing Arsenal. But I think the points that we've been trying to make, the, the points that we were trying to make were proven to some extent at the weekend, despite going two up. They hadn't played well and it felt like only a matter of time before they gave Watford a chance to get into the game. They then gifted them not only one but two goals. Again, it was it was your man, David Luiz, who was culpable of giving away the penalty. Fortunately for them, I, they've got a home game against a team that, that haven't been overly impressive this season. So it might give them a chance to maybe try and sort those issues out. It might be more papering over the cracks. We don't know. Aston Villa will definitely be disappointed that they didn't take advantage against West Ham. They, As you said, they created a couple of decent chances. They played against 10 men for 20 minutes. Maybe an encouraging performance nonetheless, coming from where they'd been previously. So where is the value here? Can Aston Villa cause Arsenal problems? There is every chance, yes. Um, as you mentioned already, it is a recurring theme uh, on this podcast that we highlight Arsenal's defensive vulnerabilities. Uh, Last week against Watford, we conceded over three expected goals to a team that are, you know, they're at the bottom of the table. So conceded over 30 shots as well, which is extraordinary when you think about it. And I know we can't really compare Emery and Wenger, but under Wenger, when, a team, when Arsenal went two and up, you usually expect them to see it out because they'd be playing the football, they'd be keeping playing keep ball with Watford, and Watford would just be chasing around. And for whatever reason, at the weekend, they just didn't look very organised when they went two and up. They were giving the ball away in in really silly areas. I mean, when you tune it up and then you just passing it from the from the goal kick to the right to, I think it was Socrates. It was two yards next to the goalkeeper. Like, why would you do that when you tune it up? Get the ball down the other end of the pitch. It just seems like there's no, um, well, it's probably harsh, but there's no defensive intelligence in the Arsenal team, and that's why they're conceding an average of two over two expected goals against per game this season. And I'm with you. I think if they do get a win here, it'll still paper over the cracks. There's tougher tests to come than this Aston Villa uh, home game. Um, and Arsenal will continue to get found out throughout the season unless they drastically improve the process, uh, both in attack and defence. Because I will point out again that they managed only 0.85 expected goals for against Watford uh, at the weekend, which is a really low total against a, a team that have been leaking chances left and right. I think West Ham put 3.9 expected goals past them at Vicarage Road uh, just two weeks before and Arsenal could only go there and put uh, and manage 0.85 so there are some serious question marks about Arsenal both in attack and defence uh, and as a result Infogol doesn't think there's any value in backing them uh, at 71% chance around 1-3 to three. instead we're looking at 60% chance of an Arsenal win which probably suggests that the value is, is to go with an Aston Villa or a draw but Aston Villa have been they continue to struggle in attack. Obviously, the defensive display against West Ham was much improved on what we'd seen previously. They, you know, this is the first game this season that they'd allowed less than one expected goal per game. So, uh, improvement there. But we'd, we'd, we've already said that West Ham were below par uh, to what we've usually seen from them. Whether that was because of Aston Villa's defence or West Ham's attack, we're not 100% sure just yet. But there are signs of an improvement. The only issue Villa have coming into this game is, is in attack. They've only managed an average of 
0.06 expected goals for per game this season. So they're really struggling to, to carve out big chances. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that continue in this match, despite Arsenal's um, defensive shortcomings. <sighs> Aston Villa don't look best placed to, to trouble Arsenal. Um, I think Arsenal could have had trickier games um, after such a, a poor display uh, that would have made this one much more interesting. But instead, we're looking at both teams to score no, which is around a 53% chance of coming in, according to Infragol, 47% chance on the market. So it's, uh, it's, it's odds against, purely based on the fact that Arsenal can't defend. But Infragol thinks there's actually value in, in backing Arsenal to keep a clean sheet in this game, or maybe even a shock Villa, Villa win or Villa nil-nil, nil-nil draw or a one-nil Villa win. Both teams to score now, uh, which thing is the value play in this one. An Arsenal clean sheet, Jake. Are you feeling all right? <laughs> it would be something, wouldn't it? So now we've got Chelsea versus Liverpool and this one along with Leicester and Tottenham and West Ham, Manchester United, I think this has got to be down as, as one of the highlight fixtures of the weekend. Personally, I'm really enjoying watching Chelsea this season purely for the fact that every game looks like there could be four or five goals. I think they're top three for XG4, but they're also kind of heading towards the bottom for XG against. Liverpool, obviously the only unbeaten team left in the league. They've got a 100% record. We know that Salah, Mane and Firmino are probably going to cause Chelsea problems. I guess the question is, how many problems are Chelsea going to cause Liverpool? It's it's an intriguing one to look at. So where does where does InfoGoal stand on it? It is a very intriguing game, this. Um, I'll say the same as what I said in the West Ham-Manchester United game. Personally, I think that Liverpool to get the win in this game is is a decent bet. They're a shade of odds, uh, of odds on. I think they've got enough to cause Liverpool problems. But in terms of the InfoGoal model, we're looking at Chelsea. You've, you've mentioned already the fact that they're really, really an entertaining team to watch. I mean, the the goal, the amount of goals that we've seen already from from Chelsea this season is is quite staggering. Chances at both ends is is the norm under Frank Lampard. Obviously, that's benefiting the likes of Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, but it's also hindering the defence, uh, Rudiger, Tomori, Christensen, etc. That have almost been put in a negative light because they're conceding so many chances. But one thing I did like that Frank Lampard said uh, at the weekend after after the game against Wolves, he said that he wants his team to be adaptable which I think is a real positive moving forward for Chelsea. Because we've seen under the likes of Conte, it was a rigid 3-5-2 every week, and Sarri, 4-3-3 every week. It's really easy to be found out. And um, I like that he went to Wolves and he matched their formation. Um, and he just said to Wolves, we've got a better team. We've got better players. We'll take play you at your own game. And I think that something similar will happen in this game. I think Lampard will have a plan to try and stop Liverpool. And if he doesn't have a plan, then Liverpool will just run riot on this Chelsea defence. Um, as you mentioned, the 100% record to Liverpool, which is sensational. They've got a five-point lead already after five matches, which I think is the biggest lead in Premier League history after five matches. Um, so they, they couldn't have wished for a better start to the season. And there have been signs, uh, well, recently anyway, games against Newcastle and Burnley, where they've looked so much more solid defensively conceding just one expected goal in both uh, between both matches combi- in both matches combined um yeah that's the third time this season they've conceded fewer than one xg so the defensive process looks like it's coming back closer to what we what we recognize uh, as as liverpool's defense if that continues then I, I i do think that liverpool will hold chelsea to few chances in this game 
Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the Tammy Abraham Van Dyke battle. I think that'd be a really, really good test for the, uh, for the young English striker. But going into this game, the Inficon model's looking at it, and although goals looks the obvious play, um, we're actually suggesting that under 2.5 represents the value. Um, bookmakers are around 44% odds against. Uh, Inficon's looking at under 2.5 at 55% chance of, of happening, which may surprise a few people, but wouldn't be a surprise for me um, to see Liverpool go into what what we saw most of the time at the back end of last season, where it was just keep things nice and tight, rely on the front three to go and win the game. Um, and like I said, if, if Lampard has got a plan, well, I hope he's got a plan, otherwise it could be a, a heavy defeat to Chelsea, um, then Chelsea could limit Liverpool as well. So it could be a, a tight game with a few goals in this one. Yeah, you're completely right. The market is, is very heavy on the over 2.5 and potentially the value is going against the consensus there. There we are, that's that's another 10 games covered in our Premier League Insight series. As always, I appreciate your time, Jake, and, and thanks for helping our listeners uncover the value in those, what it seems to be this week, some very tricky Premier League betting markets. So thanks again. No, you're very welcome. And thanks to everyone for listening. I hope you enjoy the weekend's action. Best of luck with your bets. And as always, please gamble responsibly.